Hi there and welcome back to another episode of The Walk. It is a nice cool day, or at least a cool morning. And I'm walking in the small park behind the rectory or on the left side of the rectory. This is also the area where we have the, uh, uh, the cemetery. And there are lots and lots of trees here. Birds. In the distance I hear a, a cock that's crowing. And sometimes there is a there's a goat. I think there's someone over there has a garden with a goat. So you sometimes you sometimes hear it complain or I don't actually I'm not sure if it's complaining, but it sounds a little bit like <laughs> I've been up for a while. Woke up this morning uh, at seven o'clock. And I decided to put to into practice what I've learned recently and also experimented with, and that is the power of of movement, of literally physical exercise to kick off my day. It's not something new. I've been running marathons for multiple years. And every time I run one, it is preceded by at least 17 weeks of intense training five times per week and very quickly you run about an hour to two hours sometimes three hours on the days of training but as many of us have experienced the corona situation has uh, sometimes sabotaged and derailed us physically because we were stuck at home and a lot of energy actually is required for the adaptation to the situation. There's a big truck coming from behind. This is in my world, not in your world, don't worry. <laughs> I sometimes get feedback from people that tell me, I thought there was a car coming from my right and, well, it turned out to be just in my ears. <laughs> So the adaptation to um, this new world and this new way of living that the health situation in the world has forced us into often has uh, uh, also robbed us from our our healthy habits. Uh, You have the infamous corona pounds that people have been packing on, uh, me included. But as I've shared with you... uh, in previous episodes I've also made some changes some pretty big ones to move around the Tetris blocks in my life and try to get some things to improve some very important aspects of my life and that's an ongoing process and I want to just share with you uh, the new things that I've learned and discovered and one of them is this um, the, the the role of physical exercise, not just as a means to get healthy and fit, but it it goes way beyond that. It is also something that, uh, if you include it in a recipe, in the things you keep doing every day on a constant basis, um, and turn into a habit, it will actually 
allow you to modify your, your overall state of mind, your mental state. And even if you don't feel for, like it, or you may be tired, or you, did, you kind of miss some sleep, still going out, despite how you feel, will improve your mood. Even if it's just a walk, if you can't run, if you just go and take some time outside, get moving in any shape or form, uh, it does affect your mind. And I can tell that from experience. And the last couple of uh, weeks I've been putting that in practice. And this morning, for instance, I went out for, a, I think, about a one-hour run. I don't really look at my sports watch that much but I have certain uh, itineraries that I run and I know it's about what is it, 5-6 miles sometimes 8 miles depending on how much time I have and I run at a very steady pace in a sense I'm not really pushing myself um, because the goal is not to um, achieve a, 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 a certain result uh, from a point of view of sports like being able to run the marathon under three hours or something like that I have no ambitions for me it's much more important to get into this steady run so that I don't have to think about it anymore and uh, one of the things for instance if you do uh, interval training which is you run and then you walk for about a minute and then you run again so you get your heart beat up and then you slow it down you get your heart beat up that is all very intentional an intentional form of training that will uh, gradually over time improve your running speed but it does require you to focus on all those intervals and to measure the time look at your watch stop yourself start running again put some effort in it that usually prevents me from the well from exploring the mental effects of <laughs> of running and so instead by running at a steady pace I have uh, very quickly uh, almost a, a, some kind of a trance or I get into this rhythm and I lose myself in my thoughts and that's where the energy starts to flow and the creativity and solutions start to present themselves the way I did it this morning was I, um, I started listening to an audiobook called something like I think it's Awakening the Giant Within um, from the title you can probably deduct the, the author it's uh, uh, Tony Robbins and it is one of his many books in which he uh, tries to help the listener or the reader to reflect upon their current state um, their dreams their ambitions but also the mechanisms that are preventing the reader from realizing these dreams and these ambitions. And uh, those books are very interesting in the sense that they, they constantly make me think. So what I do is I listen to a chapter and then I just stop. And I try to apply that or I try to go through the areas of my life uh, of which he talks and then I try to think, well, where, where am I in this picture? And what can I learn from what I've just uh, heard? 
And so I've just started to listen to this audiobook. It's a, it's a somewhat bigger audiobook or longer audiobook than the previous one that I listened to from him. And uh, it started with this whole reflection on what drives us. And there are two primary emotional um, elements that have a huge impact on the choices that we make. And it's very, very basic, almost binary. It's pleasure and pain. So the things that make us feel good and the things that hurt and make us feel miserable. And we model our actions on those two feelings or emotional uh, situations. In the sense that we, of, of course, try to prevent pain and we try to enhance pleasure. No, I'm not just talking about hedonism. Um, it's, it's about the, the positive things that make you feel happy, that give you energy, that create positivity and hope. And that, all that is, you could, you could bundle that under the title pleasure. And pain, there can be any form of pain. It can be physical pain. We could also, most of the time, it's, it's mental pain, or sometimes even spiritual pain. You know, these deep feelings of abandonment or uh, the feeling that you're in a desert or a desert phase of your life, um, desperation, the lack of hope. There are multiple dimensions to, to pain. And the way that we are built... And even, I think, in terms of evolution, we always try to uh, get rid of pain, to avoid pain, and we seek what brings pleasure. And so he's challenging the listener or the reader to think about that. So what are areas where you feel pain and how does that impact your decisions? And then what is very interesting about the way he approaches this is that he says that the, the, you have made tons and tons of connections in your brain. This is just kind of biology in a certain way. You've made connections and associations between things you do or situations and pain or pleasure as a result. And oftentimes these are, these are very useful. If you burn your hand on stove that pain will remind you the next time that you have to be careful when you're around the stove in the kitchen. That is very... If a child falls uh, because it, uh, it, it, it didn't look around uh, and, and so bumped into a piece of furniture, the next time the child will be more careful and be more conscious of where it walks. So a lot of these experiences of pain and pleasure will help us to grow and help us to develop habits and behaviors that are good for us. And usually pain helps us to prevent things. Pleasure helps us. It's attraction that, that gives us an incentive to move forward. Um, but there are also many situations in which we have created false connections by mere association. And I'm just trying to reproduce here what I, how I understood this. And, um, of course, I'm, I'm listening to this audiobook through my own, uh, from my own perspective. So maybe I've missed certain elements. But here's what I've 
what it triggered in me and how I understand what he said. There, there are many false connections where uh, you are in a cer certain situation where you experience pain, but you associate it with the wrong, the wrong cause in a certain way. So um, I'm trying to find an example from my own experience. Um, well, one of the issues that I've been struggling uh, with a lot in my life is um, fear of authority. A certain almost subconscious fear of other people being able to impact my life not for the better but for the worse and especially well, as long as these people are in a certain way uh, have no authority over my life I feel safe but as, as soon as these people have something to say about my future for instance like in the church uh, when I was still in seminary the president of the seminary or a teacher or that had to give me grades or a bishop then when this gets too close and I start to have this, this fear that um, they will jeopardize my own ideals, I get extremely apprehensive and defensive and almost paralyzed. And I get obsessed by this idea that, oh, when, when is the hammer going to fall, you know? And that, that is something very, very deep. I've been working through this for many years and it was during my uh, pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostela when I had 60 days to think about this kind of stuff that I realized at one point during my journey that this was all linked to a, a very uh, traumatizing moment in my life as a child when I was probably around eight years old and uh, I'd done something in class I don't know something silly So I was brought to the hat master and he instilled such fear over me because he, he was talking down to me um, in a sense that he said, uh, if I would ever do that again, if I would continue to misbehave in class, uh, I would fail, uh, I would, you know, I would have to redo the class and my future would be um, ruined. And uh, anyway, it was just a very, very... It's a frightening image of the consequences of my actions, even though the actual occasion was really nothing. It's just that, you know, every child sometimes tries to uh, explore the boundaries. But he, he made me so afraid of what he could do because he was making it very personal. You know, I will prevent you from going to the next class. You will lose all your friends, etc., etc. And that trauma has been just... Uh, Has, has been amplifying over the over years and years. And so my reaction, my initial reaction was, out of fear, out of the fear of the pain of losing my friends and having the humiliation of uh, 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 not being able to go to the next class, has motivated me um, to always try to, to be the best, to get the highest um, grades in school, to never feel that it's enough what I do, that I could always do better. And even when I did something fantastic, it was still, if there was only one person in class that was had a higher grade than I did, or that I thought would did a better job, 
I would feel miserable, even though anyone else would be super happy with the result. And that fear, I think, ultimately developed into a general problem with authority uh, and a fear of people that have something to say about me. And then this, this ongoing quest for independence. So, as just a, an example of something that is actually quite irrational, but I, that one situation in my life made a very deep connection. Uh, perhaps even more because I was still a child. I was eight years old. And that's when the strongest connections form. You know, the traumas that you experience as a child have a much greater impact than potential traumatizing experiences later on in life where you have learned to relativize and, well, you have a broader view of, of life in general. But uh, early traumas can be very, very influential. So in this case, the fear of pain and the actual pain, the humiliation that I felt as a child at a moment, um, and the fear of this headmaster that could basically ruin my life if I didn't follow the rules, and, and was it because he berated me on, you know, not, not having a good handwriting and stuff, stuff that had nothing to do with, with the, the, the thing that I'd done in, in class. But that fear and that pain that I felt... I associated that with someone who was above me. And uh, other events in my life reinforced this. So when I was in seminary, I usually worked very late and I was very, very um, bad at getting up in the morning and going to uh, morning prayer. So very often I would be called by the president of the seminary um, who berated me for that and uh, always told me you don't fit the model you're not going to be a good priest or at least that's what I kind of that's how I interpreted his his uh, correction of my behavior and so I made that much a much bigger deal than it actually was so uh, it was triggering this old fear and so my reaction has always been I need to get out of this situation I don't want to be in seminary anymore. I don't want to be in school anymore. I've always longed to get rid of school or any situation where people could have a say about my future. Something that I couldn't control. Um, up until the, this day, I think a lot of the... Um, some of the consequences were, were, in a sense, positive. So the reason that I'm so uh, entrepreneurial in the media work and I've, that I've developed so many skills, I think is driven by this fear of not being good enough, but also this fear of if I'm not um, showing results, if my media work doesn't have enough success, if the quality is so par, they may take that away from me. They may move, they may move me to another parish. They may, and, and so this fear is omnipresent. It's constantly in the background, even though intellectually I know that this is, this is a, uh, an important factor in the decisions that I make and, and even the, how I feel. Um, the, just knowing something doesn't break the connection. And that connection is actually false because it is, of course, totally not true 
that someone who has authority over certain aspects of my life can destroy my future. That is ridiculous. So the, the, the book challenged me, or this chapter about fears and uh, pain and pleasure, uh, challenged me to rethink those connections, especially the ones that derail me. And to write them down and to look at them and are those beliefs, are they actually, make, do they make sense? And if not, can you think about other connections that you can make that will take away that fear and, and maybe uh, replace it with some, something else that is driving you to more, uh, to better results, to more happiness, to... I don't know, more creativity. Uh, again, to give you an example, in this case, uh, just realizing that this fear of authority is in a certain way conditioned by my experiences in my youth, so by traumas, the moment you know that, <laughs> hello, <laughs> the moment you know that, uh, it also kind of liberates you from it. But then it's important to find something else. Uh, so, of course, my bishop has a say over my, over my work. I, I, my, I do my work on behalf of him. And of course, the quality of my media work and the effect of it is something that will play a role in deliberations at any time about, you know, is this still something that we want to continue is this this is good for the diocese is this good for the church or not of course that is totally normal but does it mean that if situations change and they make a different decision that my future is ruined that all of a sudden i wouldn't be able to to evangelize or use new media or create podcasts or youtube videos of course not there are millions of people that are making more than a living on youtube and they're doing it from their basement, and it doesn't really matter where they are in the world. Look at the, these great, you know, TikTok creators that have millions of followers. Some of them live in the tiniest apartments in China, or but it's their creativity, it's their ingenuity that gives them uh, the, the success that they have. So once you know that, then it is important to, to try to rethink that relationship between uh, pain and punishment and, and the choices that you make. With the, to just continue this line of thought, this fear of authority pushes me to put all my effort into creating more and more content. And I'm almost afraid to just keep doing what I'm doing and perfecting that I always have this drive to, well, what if I could do this? And what if I could do that? That is not just coming from creativity or an unstructured mind. This is, I think, ultimately, deep down below, motivated by this fear that I don't do enough. That what I do, even though actually ob objectively, <laughs> it is pretty good. And there are so many people that are affected and benefit from my work, affected by and are benefiting from my work that from the outside people would usually say well that's you're doing a good job but for me it's not enough because i have this fear that i need to do more to prove that i'm worthy of living this life um another example the the 
the renovations in the rectory. Now that it is getting more beautiful every day, there is also this increase in fear that I'll get a phone call from the diocese or from the bishop. Hey, um, yes, we're going to move you to another parish. <laughs> and, and it's totally irrational. There is no indication whatsoever that there is a change coming and uh, they would shoot themselves in the foot because this house and me living there and giving this a certain... Um, I don't know, it just makes my life in a certain way much better because finally I feel that things are falling into place. I have a, a house where I can truly relax that, that uh, also just tickles my inspiration. I have a room where I can read. It is so good to, to finally have a house that feels like a home. You know, why would they take that away? What would, what would be the gain? I wouldn't... And even if they would come with that proposal, I could always debate it, <laughs> give my opinion. And So anyway, it's, it's a totally irrational, irrational fear. And, and so the challenge that, that the, listening to this audiobook uh, gave me is to rethink that connection. It, it, because sometimes these beliefs, because this actually turns into almost a conviction, right? Uh, they can cripple you. And they, the fear can, can really paralyze you and make you stop reaching for your dreams. If I have trouble with the relationship with the pastor here in the parish, because he's got other, in a certain way, other, other ideals for the parish or for the future, other, uh, another vision, um, a, a different point of view, um, does that matter that I mean does it mean that I cannot realize my own vocation my own ideals in, in the context of this parish of course not I can do so much good despite the situation that I would if I were in charge would, would, do, would approach differently but it doesn't mean that um, the, for, that for me the only way to invest in the parish would would require a, a different leadership or anything or even a different position of me in this in this grand in this bigger picture no matter what the situation i can always do good i can always try to make the most out of the talents that god has given me so how do i break these connections, these mental connections. It's usually by, as soon as you notice them, try to trigger, a, immediately try to reframe it, rethink it, um, connect positive thoughts to decisions. So oftentimes fear prevents us from moving forward, right? These, uh, like there's this, this chapter about, um, and that's interesting because he, at one point he says, okay, so now I want you to stop listening to this audiobook and write down the beliefs, your convictions that uh, are actually motivating and positive and giving you uh, energy and creativity. Write those down. And then you write down all the beliefs that you are aware of, convictions that are negative have a negative impact on your life, make you feel miserable, unworthy, whatnot, paralyze you. 
And he says, really, try to stop listening. So that's what I did. I stopped listening, kept running. And, I, and I, that was actually not that, not that easy to formulate what are my fears? What are my beliefs that are hampering me? And what are the convictions, the beliefs in my life that give me strength? So to start with a positive, what do I believe that is highly motivating? Um, well, the, maybe the deepest belief that I have is that I'm loved, regardless of what I do. That God is walking with me, no matter what I accomplish, no matter what my situation is. For God, it's much more important that I am with Him than that I bring Him results. He couldn't care less. He wants to be in my company. And if there are results, it's, a, it's an occasion for joy. If there is an absence of results, maybe it is an occasion for God to step in and to help. And maybe there is a bigger plan that I don't know. And, you know, it's not up to me. The ultimate success of my life or the ultimate impact of my life is something that is part of a bigger plan. And it's this conviction that God is involved in all this that allows me to um, allows me to to keep to keep on going. I think that's mostly it. To keep on walking, no matter how I feel, um, no matter what the results are. I know that even if no one would believe in what I do, and I sometimes have this feeling or had this feeling. It's a little bit attenuated, I think, by the process that I'm in. But um, I've had these moments where I thought, oh, yeah, am I the only one who thinks this is important? And am I right? Well, I know that there is... If God is walking with me, He believes in me. He believes that I can be a, a, an, a, almost an irreplaceable... Well, not almost, that I am an irreplaceable part of His plan. And so that is very empowering. It's not all, something that I always realize, but, there, but it is a very fundamental belief, a pillar of my life, that I'm loved no matter what uh, the results are. And if there are results, it's something that is something to be grateful for, not really something to boast about, because it is not just what I do that matters in this respect. Um, and that's liberating. That, that takes away a lot of my responsibility. So that's a very positive belief. Another belief is much more horizontal in a certain way, more personal. Um, over the years, I've really be- uh, grown this belief that I can do a lot. I'm very, 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 very good at my job. And what is my job? Well, it's, it's uh, being a positive, inspirational person in people's life. I think I, I do that re- relatively well. Otherwise, people wouldn't be listening to this. You wouldn't be listening to this if it didn't add anything of value to your life. I, I know that, um, for instance, just my, 
my overall mood oftentimes and my smile makes other people happy. <laughs> These silly videos of me reacting super excited about a Star Wars trailer um, gives joy to people, sparks joy. So they don't throw it away if they follow Mary Kondo's uh, uh, motto. So um, that is something amazing to know that uh, I, I do a number of things very, very well. I also know that if, um, when it comes to my media work, filming, interviewing, putting a program together, making TV is something that I can always pull off. No matter where you send me, if you give me a camera and you give me some time, I will make it work. And oftentimes, uh, despite the fact that I don't control everything in advance, I'm very, very good at improvising and being in the flow of creating a program, an episode of my TV show, brings this energy. The solutions present themselves in the process. And I don't even have to worry about it beforehand. The same is true for public speaking. You put me in front of an audience, you give me a topic, and I know that I can talk about it. And I don't even have to... I mean, of course, it gets better the more I prepare it. But even if I don't have the, the ability to prepare everything or predict who is the audience, I can very quickly switch gears if necessary and, uh, and, and tell stories and talk. Uh, so th those are, that is a conviction that uh, I don't really have to worry about fundamental aspects of my work because I know that I master them and I'm very good at them. That is motivating because it gives me courage to start endeavors. Another belief that is positive, and that's maybe a little bit more recent, is that even if I don't produce the results that I expected, I'm deliberately not using the word failing because, well, in a way, failure is just a way to label a result and uh, the, connect the relationship with your with your expectations. But sometimes you, you kind of project a certain result and it doesn't yield that result. So, but what I've experienced, and that is a belief that is uh, empowering, is that even if you don't meet these results, instead of it being just a disappointment and, and preventing you from uh, trying again, it is an incentive to evaluate and to try again and to try to figure out what the best strategy, the best communication, the best, I don't know, how, how to improve those results. So even failure in a certain way is, um, can be a stepping stone to improvement and maybe also to success. Those are important convictions and as you've noticed, only one of them has to do with faith. Uh, a lot of them are very just human, human beliefs and, and convictions. Um, and then there are a whole number of beliefs that are crippling. The one that I talked about earlier on, this, the, this, this irrational belief that people that are in authority, that have a certain authority over my life and over my future, are per definition, a menace and a threat and are, are suffocating. 
That is a very uh, paralyzing, numbing belief that I, I want to get rid of. Another one is this deep-rooted fear of not being good enough. Uh, this, this belief that some of my dreams are impossible to realize. Um, the, the, this idea that, oh, why would I try to better myself in areas, uh, in certain areas, when I've, I've never really had any progress in there. And I keep making the same mistakes, and I have the same patterns of reaction. Yeah, I'll, I'll just give up on it. So this entire ideal that the church presents us with like, you got to strive to become a saint, um, a holy priest, as sometimes they say. Uh, oftentimes, I, I kind of feel a certain detachment from those ideals because I'm thinking, well, sure, that is very lofty and I will absolutely preach it for myself. Nah, I don't think it's feasible. I think I have way too, too much damage, too much luggage. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think I'll ever be a saint. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be more than just a, you know, reasonably functioning priest. But uh, but that's about it. Um, maybe the same with uh, my ambitions when it comes to the media work that I do. One of my dreams is, man, I should be on Netflix. I know I can do it. I know. Well, maybe not now. But I know it's something that I, I would love to work for in the sense that I would like to up my, my skills, the equipment, storytelling uh, qualities so that what I make is good enough to be put on Netflix. And Netflix, of course, is just you know, any, any you know, big worldwide distribution network. Now it may be Netflix in a few years, maybe something else. doesn't matter, but um, this, it's, it's this... The dream is, I know that my programs can appeal to a much, much bigger audience and can, be, can have much more of an impact than they have now on Dutch television. And then the, the belief that is hampering me to strive for this, to make this a reality and to actually plan for it, is, oh, well, that's just a pipe dream. Yeah, that would be nice, but maybe someday. And right now I've got so much other stuff to do. And even if I would start something, you know, for Netflix, look at the amount of work that it would take. And I would never get the freedom to realize that. I will never find the funds. I have this parish that I need to cater to. They don't want me to leave more than a few days per week. So how can I ever... You know, travel the world and make a documentary that will blow everyone's minds. So I'm self-limiting my ambitions, giving up before I even started to try. And uh, and then you get just stuck in your same old routine, I'm doing the stuff that I know people are kind of okay with and happy with. And oh, 
People are renovating here too. Oh, there's an entire crew here working in the backyard of this house. Not keeping that much distance. Still something I'm very quickly triggered by. <laughs> I'm almost auto-measuring the distances between the people. I was like, oh, you guys are too close. Think of the, of the virus. But uh, it is something that I think is... Mm, oftentimes, it, it, it kind of is much safer in a certain way to just keep doing what I already do not try to add anything or to replace something so holding on to stuff that I'm doing and that generates income instead of rethinking well but if I would laser focus on this big dream and I would put all my effort and all my you know my best talents and resources into this it would be a huge well potentially it could actually be a reality and then I get overwhelmed by everything else and, and then it dilutes and I forget about the dream and just keep doing what I've always done. And then, of course, it, it, you get this feeling of, eh. It's, it's, it's not going anywhere. I mean, I'm, do, I'm, I'm perfectly fine, but fine is not you're being your best, right? So... Those, be- those are just a number of beliefs that I'm sure that if I would uh, think about it a little bit more, I would come up with many of these other beliefs. And so uh, Tony Robbins then challenges you to, um, to look at those beliefs and, and evaluate them. How real are they? What is, what is the damage of holding those beliefs and nurturing those beliefs? So this fear of authority. Look at what it prevented you to do. Look at what, what did it rob you from? I mean, he didn't specifically ask this, this question, but if I pro- apply that to that you know, fear that is in my top three of fears, um, this fear of authority, for instance, has robbed me of the ability to enjoy my house, where I live right now, the rectory, the renovations. I can't truly enjoy it because there is this fear like maybe tomorrow they'll move me to another parish and they'll put me in a small house in an ugly neighborhood and my hobbit life will be over. (laughs) These are real thoughts in my mind, honestly. So this fear, this irrational fear robs me from fully enjoying and also being at peace with with my life right now as it is, being thankful for it. It's hard to be thankful for something that you know can be taken away from you or that you fear, it's not no, that you fear might be taken away from you uh, at any moment. Also, this fear of authority has prevented me from having a normal relationship, an open relationship with people in authority. I'm always plotting my encounters with them. I'm always strategizing. How, what am I going to say? What if... He or she, she says this and that. How am I going to counter that? And, and so it makes every encounter with people that have a certain authority about aspects of my life in a certain way tense and uh, a huge effort. That is not very productive. That doesn't really <laughs> make me happy. So um, 
he, he invites you to go over all these, these beliefs. And then the, the next question is, can you replace that with another belief? Um, if you... Uh, it's the same with fear and... Uh, or with pain and pleasure. For, uh, for instance, I'm just going back to this. The, 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 sometimes these false associations that we have between... Uh, pleasure and pain and choices that we make or avoid to make uh, sometimes we can be in a situation where where um, uh, and this is something that many of you will will know at one point or another in their lives in your lives uh, rewarding yourself with food you've had a miserable day you feel terrible you feel unfulfilled you you don't feel acknowledged you just had a fight with someone uh you didn't get the results that not only you were expecting but other people were expecting from you or so you think and then you can't fix it because you don't go to the core and instead you try to patch it with a bag of chips or i don't know fast food or (laughs) deep fried stuff it is it's a very uh, human reaction to do that, but it, it can establish a very dangerous relationship between feeling good and food that is destroying your health. And so in that case, in order to dissociate these two, so rewarding yourself with junk food, for instance, um, the challenge is to imagine a greater pain that uh, that will follow if you if you continue this relation to nurture this relationship so for instance to imagine the greater pain of getting a heart attack or um getting uh, very very sick because of covid 19 because uh because you're obese i mean that's a that's an, uh, a relationship that many doctors have now established that if you are or obese the virus can usually do much more damage than if you're not and so uh, thinking about a greater pain than the pain that that makes you uh, uh, you know self-medicate with with junk food can sometimes be a strength can be a way to change your behavior so what I like about that approach is that um, also pain can be something that moves you in the right direction. That is so interesting. Um, I was also thinking about uh, an example from the Catholic tradition when it comes to martyrs. Haven't you sometimes wondered how it is possible that people were smiling when they entered the arena in Rome about to be devoured by lions and tigers or butchered by gladiators? It is because, despite the pain and maybe the initial uh, fear and, and uh, will to, to, uh, to run away, they replace that fear and that pain with great joy that lies ahead if they would give their lives, if they would hold on to their faith and would... Uh, bear witness of their faith even if it would kill them because 
they were imagining heaven. They were imagining the reward later on. They they would the the for them the relationship with God was so much more uh, valuable and so much more a source of pleasure and and reward and affirmation than any of that suffering in the arena could. Uh, could inflict in terms of pain. So the, 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 the joy of staying faithful was greater and was able to overcome the, the fear of pain. That's, so that's also a way to, to uh, get over some fears and to break the connection between uh, your fears and certain types of behavior. Think of the bigger picture. Where do you want to go? I mean, so when I apply that to my Netflix dream, imagine... The joy, the kind of the pride, the 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 excitement of being able to share a full-length documentary with hundreds of thousands of people from all over the world. To to be able to share your creativity with a huge crowd, and I'm not saying that that is the the actual purpose of why I should, uh, you know, be in documentary making. But it, it would be a great source of joy. And because I'm constantly like contenting myself with just the regular TV work that I've been doing for more than 10 years now in the same way, if that is the only thing that I do, I'm not saying that I should throw it away, but if that is the only focus of my life, I am robbing myself from a much greater pleasure of you know, achieving this dream and and to be able to share uh, what what I'm passionate about. The, the, one of the reasons that I've gotten into podcasting was the joy of sharing. The reason that I do Geek Mass on Sunday, even if it's just a small crowd of about 70 people watching live, it is the joy of being able to connect my passion for books and movies and science fiction and fantasy with the gospel and, and using the two to, to strengthen each other, strengthen the message in these stories, that to me is such a reward that it motivates me and even gets me over this fear of, you know, the c- complexity of making it happen and the effort that I have to put into it on a Sunday afternoon when I've already sat two masses that morning and actually just want to play video games and relax. Oh, it's the beginning of the month when I'm recording this, so what you now hear is they're testing the alarm. It's uh, noon right now. And so this is what they do every month just in case that there is a disaster, I don't know, like a an explosion or a chemical disaster or whatever. They need this alarm to work. And so fortunately, they always test it out at noon on the in the first Monday of the week. Otherwise, we'd all panic, right? And you should be able to to hear this everywhere. They've also recently started to test out um uh, like an alert on your phone which you can't turn off and, and, and it is like putting the volume of the phone at maximum and then it's this very annoying piercing sound and sometimes they test that without forewarning and so it had me jump up multiple times 
This is pretty loud. <laughs> That's the downside of recording a walk outside, right? <laughs> you get to hear all this stuff as well. And it completely derailed our conversation. <laughs> okay. Calmness. Oh, how I enjoy silence again. <laughs> These little butterflies keep just flying around as if nothing happened. Good for them. So anyway, that's, that's kind of the, where I am in this thought process of these beliefs and rethinking and, and realizing the price that I've been paying by holding on to these false connections and holding on to certain beliefs that are actually destructive and not productive. And instead, I should focus on the beliefs that strengthen me. So that's the other challenge. It's not just get rid of these false beliefs, but also try to work with this with these core strengths that you have that conviction that you can you can you can you're good at your work you you can pull off almost anything that you put your mind to you um the mastery of all the technicalities of producing television shows and documentaries all that that is a massive strength and that should be the leading belief that will drive the results and also determine the choices that i make i'll keep you up to speed on uh my progress and also on the results of uh, well these realizations and as, uh, as I get more insights by listening to other parts of the book I will share them here with you as well if you want to support what I do uh, your help of course is welcome by becoming a patron you can support me with a little bit of uh, of your money every month can be as little as 250 a month less than a cup of coffee in return as a thank you, I will uh, give you a link to a feed that will um, uh, get you access to a special show that I record for my patrons. It's a one-hour show every week, and I talk about my favorite recipe, so I teach you how to cook what I consider to be the best food in the world. Um, I talk about liturgy and explain things in the Catholic liturgy. We talk about uh, virtual reality Sometimes I do a review of a game or a book that I've read. We talk about history as well. That's another thing that I don't talk about in my regular show. So I talk about historic moments and how they, what they mean to me, what I, what I learned from them. I think it's a fun show. It's definitely fun to record. And it would be fun to share it with you as a patron. So check it out at patreon.com slash fatherodrick. And then every Sunday I hope to, to see you maybe live and otherwise afterwards one of those masses for geeks every Sunday 7pm Amsterdam time 1 o'clock Eastern I think it's uh, 10 on the west coast not sure about that but you can make the calculations yourself anyway thanks for listening have a wonderful week and we'll talk soon God bless <laughs>